what's your Starbucks go-to? I flat white. Oh, geez, you are really easy. Like they say, you know, you can tell how big an asshole somebody is by the length, the length of their Starbucks orders. So you are, you are clearly not. <laughs> not an asshole. Place. Gavin, honestly, that's what so sweet. <laughs> Hey folks, Gavin Roth here with another episode of the Influencers of Sponsorship Marketing. Sponsored by the program, your guide to finding and watching women's sports online and on television. Subscribe to the weekly newsletter at theprogram.substack.com. As we celebrate International Women's Day on March the 8th, it's hard to think of a more appropriate guest than Natalie Cook, a leader in the sports marketing space and a driving force in the movement for gender equality and investment in women's sports. What a career. Stops at IMG, the Special Olympics, the 2010 and 2012 Olympic Media Consortium, Bell Media, where she became the first female vice president at TSN, president at Cimarroni & Co., chair of Canadian Women in Sport. She even has an award named after her, the Natalie Cook Canadian Women in Sport Disruptor Award. I'm proud to call her a friend and former colleague, and it was great to catch up with her. We discussed her career journey, the people that inspired her along the way. Very telling answer to that question. Insights into some of the sport partnerships Natalie has been involved with. We dive into the work Natalie is doing with Canadian Women in Sport and Project 8 around investing in women's sports and the development of Canada's first professional soccer league. I then gave Natalie the floor to shine a light on other female leaders in sports and business. And what a cool list of names, many the next gen of leaders in this country. And we wrap with awesome professional development advice, so succinctly summed up in one word, and I'll let you listen to find out what that word is. You'll leave inspired. I hope you enjoy. And for more episodes of the Influencers of Sponsorship Marketing, follow me on LinkedIn, visit Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or check out rothrevenue.com. So uh, March 8 is International Women's Day. It is. And I've been living my life only with sisters, only with daughters, my wife, my mom. So I feel like I've been celebrating Women's Day on a daily basis. I like to say I'm, I'm well-trained. I think you remember that uh, from your dealings with me. Um, but I digress. So as we shine a light on women, um, it's an absolute pleasure to be joined by a lady who serves as an inspiration to girls and women looking to have a successful career in sports marketing and a woman who is actively pushing for uh, equity in sport, my friend, Natalie Cook. So thanks for doing this, Natalie. Thank you, my pleasure, Gavin. So, so many places to go, um, but let's start with the journey. Um, incredible career, stops at IMG, Special Olympics, the 2010-2012 Olympic Media Consortium, where we had that wonderful shared experience. Bell Media, first female VP at TSN. It's funny, when I read, doing my research, just 
catching up about you. I didn't I didn't know that at the time that that and and so anyway, we'll get to that. President at Cimarroni and Co, chair of Canadian Women in Sport. You have an award named after you, the Natalie Cook Canadian Women in Sport Disruptor Award. A serious hashtag game. Um, I'm out of breath. Uh, over, <laughs> over to you, please jump in. Talk about talk about how you ended up in sport. I mean, in marketing. fairness, I didn't do all of that in you know ten years, so it has been a long career. In fairness, in fairness to your you know listeners who might be thinking, wow, how do we, how do I do all of that? Well, you live long enough, you know, you you do a lot of things. Um, <laughs> thanks for that lovely introduction. Wow. Um, <clears throat> My journey, my journey into sport, I mean, personally, uh, I grew up in a sport household. Uh, sport ruled the roost on all media. Um, I remember growing up and my dad bringing multiple televisions into a room so that we could watch multiple things. You know, this was before the, you know, handheld screens days. Before before um, picture in picture, it was TV beside TV. I TV love it. TV beside TV, that's exactly right. <laughs> and so there were a few catalysts for me, I would say certainly... Um, the Olympics coming to Montreal. I was very young, but it was our family vacation. And I remember having, you know, the old Bristol boards and the calendar for the month of July <laughs> and the tick, we had tickets for every day for every event. And so, you know, we, I have two brothers and we kind of divvied up who went to what. And, um, I got to see all kinds. I went to boxing. I saw Nadia Comaneci get her 10 at the Montreal Forum. I mean, these were life changing moments for me and really instilled that passion in sport for me. Um, so fast forward, somehow I end up in packaged goods because I don't know, I liked marketing for sure. And I thought packaged goods had a little bit of creativity to it. Although by the end, I kind of didn't think there was anything more I could say about jojoba and what it did for your hair, but I digress. Um, I was working at the time for Alberto Culver and we got involved with the freestyle ski team. And you might remember the, uh, you know, Jean-Luc Broussard and, and uh, they had a real strong presence. And that was my first foray into the marketing uh, marriage, I guess, of uh sports sponsorship and what it could do for a brand. It was still fairly new in Canada. We were not very developed other than tobacco, right? Tobacco were the big sponsors in those days, the DeMaurier Open and people might, well, you and I will remember that. I'm not yep. sure how yep. many others will. Can't um, do that anymore. Yeah. No, you cannot do it's that. It's cannabis anymore. now or soon anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. For now. Um, so that um, that sort of really triggered my interest in it. And then we were honestly, we were at a friend's cottage, Gavin, and we were reading in the paper. And there was a tiny little sort of box in the business section about an ad for a post-diploma sport marketing program at George Brown. And my husband said, hey, you should apply for this. And ha ha ha, sure. And anyways, I got in um, to the first year, first year ever of that program. Was that 92, 93? Was that around there? 91. 91. Because I remember that coming out when I was just about to graduate from York, and I thought that would be a, a neat program there to look into. Okay. So I applied for the program, and it was a co-op program, which was very appealing, um, because I was leaving a career to go back to school, which was a bit of a, a gamble, but my my partner in crime was like, you should go for this. You're passionate about this. I think you'd be great. And you're not really thrilled with what you're doing now. So 
so yeah, I took a big I bet on myself and uh, yeah, went back to school and did my first co-op. I did Grey Cup in Vancouver with the CFL. And then the second co-op was with IMG. And then I ended up working for them, as you know, but that's that was sort of my entree into the uh, the wide world. Very cool. Very cool. So um, and we'll touch on some of that, uh, some of those stops. But, you know, mentorship, people who inspire, it's it's a it's a topic I love and I like to cover that in every episode. Just maybe as you think about that journey, um, who were some of the inspirations along the way? People who kind of gave you that boost, that lift? I mean, for me growing up, my dad was a huge tennis guy. Um, he, he, we watched it all the time. He played tennis. Um, and so Billie Jean for me was just everything, um, notably because I had, you know, substantially bet my dad that she was going to win the battle of the sexes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, great. Very proud moment in my household. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and I just think everything she stood for resonated with me so much. Not that I was a good tennis athlete. I was I was actually a competitive swimmer at that time. Um, I was not I was not a great tennis player, but I was so motivated by her energy and captivated by what was possible. And interestingly, when I started working, I guess then Stacy Allister really became my next big mentor because there were not. I didn't have many peers working in sport and certainly not working as an agent, which is kind of how I started my career. Um, and so I kept, you know, to, to see a female executive in Canada in the sports system and the success that Stacy had and how um, bold I thought she was. It's so funny. We, t you know, now that we're friends, <laughs> did I ever think she would become somebody that I could pick up the phone and chat with? Uh, She's time. part of the advisory or plus she part is. of it. She, she still, is yeah, part of my advisory Canadian group. Yeah. Sports. yeah. Yeah. So what a list. And what she's done, right? She's her accomplishments you know, are South legendary. And I think two things I would say about her, Gavin, is not only, you know, Stacy didn't just go, hey, great, I'm having a great career. She's like, how am I going to lift people with me always? Uh, and everything she worked on and did had a gender equity lens to it. And that was a real, um, that for me showed me what was possible. Very good. And you know, it's interesting about the way you answered that, and it's very telling for this time we're in, is, is I'm used to hearing people who worked with other people, right? But you're talking about people you observed, right? Who at that time you didn't work with, Stacy. You certainly didn't work with Billie Jean. Have you had a chance, by the way, to meet Billie Jean? I would oh, imagine you would. Yeah, that's another if you have time, I'll yes. tell you that story after. But I met her at the US Open this year. That's awesome. Yeah. And what she's done and for the for the sport and for gender equity, uh, what a trailblazer. But you're right, Stacy as well. And I had a chance to meet Stacy when she was at Tennis Canada early in my career where I was exploring maybe a move over there and uh, so impressive then and just charted her career. But uh, but it is telling that the mentors, you know, were people you had to observe. And now I'm sure many people would answer the question if I asked them uh, that Natalie Cook is <laughs> has been a mentor, is a mentor and, and inspired them. So 
Yeah, it's it's a little sad in a way that that's kind of how. But look at you, you've you've ended up uh, in a wonderful place. Thank you. Uh, I would be remiss um, if I didn't say though that look, I had um, some men, very good men, who. And we're allowed to talk about men on this show. Okay. It's okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, and I say that only because yeah, I didn't I didn't see myself in the industry at the time, yeah. uh, but there's no question. I, I'm going to give you a perfect example. Um, when I received the job offer. Uh, to start working at IMG was I had literally that morning just found out that I was pregnant with my first daughter. I read that. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I love what you said. Go. I love what I read. And Kevin Albrecht, who was the gentleman who was the you know general manager, and he was um, Kurt Browning and Wayne Gretzky's agent at the time. And he said, and I said to him, "Listen, I need to tell you something. Are you sitting down?" And he said, "Why? What are you pregnant?" And I said. <laughs> Actually, oh, no. actually, yes. And he's like, oh, well, how much time do you think you're going to need? And I said, I have no idea. I've never done this before. And he said, all right, well, let's try and figure something out because it's 1992 and the Winter Olympics are here. So we're going to need you. Uh, but let's figure something out. And that's fine. And I hope you accept the offer. And he he was a real mentor to me right. in the industry. Right. Great. You know, it resonated. You told a little story I read and it 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 really resonated you know that that to be those who who excelled in business tended to do a lot of that business on the golf course you weren't a golfer um you had to you know chart your course a different way but what happened is at the end of the day you would go home and take care of your toddler and they would go golfing and when i read that it it was like yeah that's uh really in a in one sentence encapsulates the challenge that women in business many women in business have it's interesting this is something that stacy and i do talk about a lot is that we don't have our careers without our partners um, because both of us have very supportive partners and in fact at some point my husband i call him mr mom but and that's the name of my company for that yes. reason he was the primary caregiver for our children um, which allowed me to have the career I had. Love it. You know, I, I, I have told this story before that early in my career um, to get a job in the, in the field I wanted, which was the ad agency world, which paid nothing. It paid like mm -hmm. I was offered a job for next to nothing. I'd just gotten married to Stacy. And and I said, how am I going to do this? Like, I feel like I, I should be earning more. And she said, I got you. Um, she was a dental hygienist before dental hygiene, dental hygienists were capped. She was making a killing and she just worked six days a week and let me build up. And um, and just that idea of, of having a partnership where you both have each other's back and, and you know, support each other. Um, but Another quick thing is Sheryl Sandberg, who I'm sure a lot of people know that name, she once said that the most important um, decision a female uh, executive can have is picking the right partner, <laughs> right? Because she was allowed, she said, my partner was not afraid to let me shine. And and uh, a lot of women don't have that, that benefit. So yeah, interesting. Um, so Highlight, you know, a couple, uh, this is at its heart a, a podcast about partnerships and sponsorships and sports marketing. 
Uh, I want to talk a lot about certainly the um, investing and growing women's sports, but talk about some of the partnerships you've been a part of or been associated with that resonate. Oh gosh, Gavin. There, I know it's there. like picking your. I know child, my favorite. Right? My yeah. favorite child. I can't do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll say there's a couple. I mean, look, obviously working um, working on a home Olympics, um, and then the London Games is a. It was a once in a lifetime, um, and there were, there are too many things there to to even get into. Um, I think for me, in terms of some unique things, when the Women's World Cup came to Canada. I was very involved in that program. We were the first country to bring and do a Women's World Cup trophy tour, uh, something that was always done with the men's trophy, but had never been done with the women's trophy. And we partnered with Coca-Cola on that and did a, an incredible program with them across the country. So super What's with fun. Coke and these cross-country tours? They, they love, love those, don't they? They love them. <laughs> don't they? Yeah, they're torturing. I don't know if they still do yeah. them. If anyone from Coca-Cola is listening, maybe they can let us know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were so successful. Um, anyways, we had, a, we had a great time with that. Um, in terms of some unique... Uh, things, I would say um, doing a fairly innovative media deal with Canadian Tire, uh, where we basically went to them and looked at kind of all of their spend in sport and said, um, you know, we, we love this. We love what you're doing with Sports Check. But if we're honest with you, we, we think, and this is all due respect to creative agencies, but um, they don't have the expertise in sport. And so you would get things like, you know, Steve Stamkos in his skates on a treadmill, you know, things like that, <laughs> where you're kind of looking at going, yeah, is that like really how we want to portray sport or, you know, and here's the skater doing the triple axel and it's not, it's a, you know, flip or just, and again, as a, this is inside baseball, but as a sport person, the authenticity uh, is important if you want to have that trust with the sport consumer. And so we really approached them under the basis that we could help with their creative because we had such great in-house creative at Bell Media and TSN, RDS in particular. And um, yeah, we struck a, a two-year deal with them where we basically built all of their creative uh, around their media spend with us for uh, for a two-year window. And that was the first of its kind. So that was a, that was a fun one. Love it, love it. And and I read um, the partnership, how, and this is more of a, it's not your traditional partnership, but how Canadian Tire supported the study um, into uh, women's, women in sport and you know, around your work with the Canadian Women in Sport Initiative. Um, talk about that. They, they kind of supported the group and the study, right? Uh, talk about maybe what, what that study was aimed at doing. Sure. More to come. We haven't released the um, the findings yet, so the the white paper is going to come out in April. Mm -hmm. But essentially, um, Canadian Women in Sport, which has been the voice of of women in sport in this country, by necessity has really been around amateur sport because well, we don't actually have much professional sport in Canada, uh, with the exception of golf and tennis, which are event driven here. Um, you know, you have the one or two events a year, and then off they go around the globe. Um, and then some hockey, uh, but to say there's a Canadian domestic league in hockey would not be accurate. There's a few right. teams. So the opportunities for investment 
while the desire may be there, there's not really any inventory to speak of, or it's very limited. And we really did feel, Gavin, and I know I've said this other times in my career, but it really does feel like we're at a juncture right now. Um, you know, the fandom is is asking for it. The corporate partner dollars are are interested in it. And really what we need is the investment community to invest in teams and leagues. So we thought, well, how do we help this? Well, Canadian Women in Sport is rooted in data and research. We are insights-based. That's how we work because we work on the systemic side. So we don't start up leagues. We don't work with teams. But what we do is knowledge transfer uh, and help the people that are going to make those decisions, make those decisions with a gender lens. So we worked and engaged Boston Consulting Group, who stepped up to the table in a huge way to support this research. And obviously there is cost to research. It's quite expensive, as I know you know, and many of your listeners will know. Uh, and so Canadian Tire said, we, this is valuable, important research, and we want to be part of it, and, uh, and we'll support you. And they, ha they have, and they continue to, and we do work with Gemstart as well. So they've been a, an incredible partner. And what... Are there some milestones we should be looking forward to with, with respect to that, that research and the reporting? Most definitely. Uh, so like I said, in we'll probably start teasing some of the insights in the next couple of weeks, but the report, the white paper will be out in April. Yeah. And uh, the goal really is to create, um, frankly, an investor deck uh, that folks in this space can use. Our goal is to make it available to the, to the community um, so that they can use it to make their case for investment because, right. you know, the Canadian investment community is, is uh, conservative by nature, for sure. Yeah. And honestly, women's sport has traditionally been judged um, with just a whole different set of circumstances. Um, and, it's the same people in the same boardrooms making the same decisions with the same biases. And so it's really important for us to cut through that noise a little bit and explain actually why this is white space, uh, why this is growth potential, mm. and why the new fan, because we all talk about it, the how fandom is changing and where women's sport can actually help grow the overarching ecosystem of sport in this country. Such a worthwhile initiative. I'm involved um, with a group called Parlay Media Group. Mark, our good friend Mark Silver, mutual friend, pulled me in on that. And it's around sport culture content, sports betting content. But we are tremendously committed to the women's side of that. And much of our roster of hosts are female, young female uh, content creators. And one of the initiatives is the program, which is uh, a weekly newsletter and show that shines a light on how to follow, where to find women's sports. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got some great dynamic hosts who talk about it uh, through social media on a weekly basis. So what you're saying just resonates about how this is the time it's it you're right and 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 as a corporate partnership executive at at heart that's my passion um i talk to brands all the time and th it's true this is one of those um critical kind of levers that they're pulling on right now is about building up women and shining a light on women in sports and women in business and uh, i think it's a great time to put out these findings and encourage more more investment. So kudos to you and the team. It, 
it also opens the door, Gavin, to people who otherwise couldn't. I mean, look, not everyone's going to, you know, be Ryan Reynolds and pull together a billion dollars to buy the Ottawa Senators. It's just not realistic. That's the yeah. like little 0.1 of 1%, you know, who can get yeah. involved. Um, and I would argue that most of the major men's leagues are, you know, fully mature markets. So how much more, if you buy in at a billion dollars, what are you selling at? Yeah. A billion one? I don't know. I mean, people buy teams for the investment value and the growth that they're going to see in it. Well, if you buy a women's team for, if you bought an NWSL team 10 years ago for five or $8 million, they're worth almost $40 million mm. now. Like that's mm. where the growth is coming from. So I think for us, it's really, again, making sure that information is readily available to folks, uh, demythifying. De <laughs> Yeah. Some of the myths, you know, that people don't watch. I mean, God, if people are still saying that people don't watch women's sports, I got binders full of data for you, right? Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to make a business case. And that was really the gist of why we wanted to work with, with someone like a Boston consulting group that had a reputation in that space so that when people like you go out and chat with your future partners, there there isn't an argument to be made that there's, you know, that it, it is a good investment and bet on us. Cool. Um, so we've been diving into the topic that that I wanted to get into, but just your role in encouraging and supporting inv investment in women's sport um, beyond, or maybe there's more to talk about with your work with Canadian women in sport. Um, what else kind of excites you, motivates you, drives you these days around this 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 uh, this focus. I, I hesitate to say movement because uh, I, I, I think it's so easy for us to say, put movement on top of everything. Maybe it is a movement, but I'll let you define it. You're better positioned <laughs> well, than I, me. I hope it's a movement in that it means some forward motion. Yeah. Um, so I, in that sense, I do hope it's a movement. Mm. Um, look, I'm involved uh, and have been, I guess, for about a year or so. I, was t I think I was telling Diana this yesterday. About a year ago, uh, I get a phone call from Diana Matheson who says, you know, would you have mm. lunch with me? Of course I'd have lunch with you. And I we had met over the years. And so we went and had lunch and she told me about this very bold um, initiative she had and she wants to start a domestic league in Canada and so honestly Gavin I listen and I'm thinking wow okay like what do you know about starting a league in Canada and then I'll tell you by the end of the lunch I was like I'm in let's go let's do it <laughs> uh, so what I will say about Diana Matheson for those of you who don't know besides <laughs> besides being the uh uh, goal scorer in the bronze medal game in London and longtime uh, Team Canada mm. uh, um, member of the women's national soccer team. She's also a Princeton graduate. She's an incredibly bright young woman. She's been part of the UEFA program for uh, female uh, business in soccer. Um, and she uh, came to me with something very audacious, uh, she and her partner. And I was so energized by our conversation, Gavin. I do think it takes the boldness of someone who has, hasn't had as probably as many no's as I have. Um, it's true. To, to, I often say I'm jaded. You're right. It's nice to see somebody who's not jaded who can think clearly. <laughs> truly, truly. And then and look, I obviously I was like, you know, let me see the business plan. Let me. And as the more I dug into it, the more 
I um, believed not only that it was possible, but it was necessary. Mm. We are the only top 10 soccer nation in the world that doesn't have a domestic women's league. It, yeah, it England, Spain, right? Italy, right? So, yeah. you know, when I say the women's team succeeded despite themselves, that France, that is yeah. a very true fact. And look, I'm not going to dive into all the Canada soccer stuff because no. God knows they've dug themselves enough of a hole. I don't need to help. But <laughs> suffice to say that um, that we need we need a different approach to this. And we need an athlete-centered approach to this, which is something that Diana and, you know, Christine Sinclair's big uh, advisor, oh. many of the members of the women's team are involved. So when we made the announcement um, just before Christmas or just around the, uh, around the Men's World Cup, you know, we came on board with two teams and two sponsors, not two small sponsors, Air Canada and CIBC. These are big Canadian corporations that, you know, uh -huh. don't take these investment lightly. Um, but who saw the value and importance of aligning themselves with something that was going to literally change the system here in Canada. Uh, so that's what I'm excited about now. What I'm that's working. awesome. That's yeah. awesome. And and hopefully we see movement. Uh, you touched on it briefly on the on the hockey side of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's just such a a head scratcher to think that we don't have a a, a true professional you know, National Women's Hockey League. So, um, so I'm sure you're, I'm sure there's a lot of conversations going on in your world about that. Um, it, talk about, you've touched on some of them, mention some female sports leaders that we should be following that, that kind of caught your eye. <laughs> My gosh, there's so many of them. I, mm. I, you had kind of given me a bit of a heads up on this because I was like, oh, I'm going to miss people and then I'm going to feel terrible about it. Um, well, yeah, actually, it, well, before you jump in, you know what, what kind of in a way motivated this? I don't know. It, Lizzo received an award recently at an award show. And instead of talking about herself, she used that platform to just say, look at all these other great female leaders in 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 the arts right and in the community and who are doing something for women's rights and i love the idea of giving somebody like you uh, a, a a chance to just talk about other people because uh you know we well, we we talk about you plenty right oh yeah lots oh no yeah. and listen i the other thing i would say is i'm i am so bullish about next gen and mm. truly, Gavin, if when we get this league off and running, then I can like go into the sunset and be like, great, you know, I just the thought of leaving the industry without actually having a domestic league in here just left me feeling it just didn't feel right to me. And so, yeah, I think that good. that me would be the piece where I could be like, OK, I'm good now. Great legacy piece. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Here you go. Next gen. And they are they are on it like they're mm. on it so sharp and uh and so committed um okay so i would say let me i'm going to start with some athletes because i mm -hmm. think um the biggest shift to me in our industry has been the athlete voice um, because i started as an agent and so seeing the evolution of the athlete particularly the female athlete has been um quite joyful for me to see them really claim their voices 
So uh, I'm going to start with the nurses. So both Kia nurse and Sarah nurse, I think, are two that are absolutely speaking of joyful and, and smart. Kia is the first recipient, right, of your she disruptor. Was the first recipient right? of my award. She, uh, you know, I represented her um, and was her agent when 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 that was my job. Um, and then I hired her at TSN to, for on air talent, who I, you know, I think she's probably one of the best analysts we have there. Oh, um, that's She's outstanding. Um, young power couple, uh, Stephanie LeBay and Georgia Simmerling, um, who are based out of, well, Steph's obviously with the Whitecaps with the uh, women's soccer team, and Georgia's uh, actually running all of our sponsorships for Project 8 um, for the women's soccer team uh, out of Calgary. Uh, Karina LeBlanc, the GM of Portland, uh, was part of the FIFA women's program for years. Is a, If you ever have a chance to hear her speak, I mean, she is someone who literally you'll like you'll go through a wall for her when she's done speaking <laughs> and as just a phenomenal force of nature um, in hockey, I'd say Marie-Philippe Poulain, who, uh, you know, I mean, what what can you say about Marie-Philippe that hasn't been said? She's incredible. I think from a media side, I'd look at someone like a Kate Burness, who runs an organization called Hermark, which is really about empowering young teenage women, girls, um, about seeing what's possible for them and finding their voice. And she runs these big events. Um, actually, there's one coming up at uh, MLSC Launchpad, and she'll bring in, you know, 200 young women and give them the opportunity to learn sporting skills from Olympians and hockey players and figure skaters. And she brings all her friends. Um, and again, the inner awesome. palpable. Yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, you know, Kayla. I Gray, don't know her, but just just some people you. You look at, you follow, and Kate just has this. I mean, all all of these, but we yeah. see Kate so often, right? So I didn't know. I didn't know she had that. She does, yeah. That. She's got that program and has worked in that. I mean, I think. Look, you can't. You know, Kayla Gray is just again a force of nature. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the yeah. work she's done yeah. for. Um, you know, particularly through the gist and producing and giving opportunities to to young uh, young folks in uh, in the TSN shop who might not otherwise have had opportunities you know i look at somebody like andy petrillo who's been at this for a long time is the most professional of professionals um and has really carved out a space for herself this business is not easy <laughs> and i mean i would i i don't i would don't mean this disrespectfully but honestly andy's a survivor it's uh, and she does it with grace and poise and and is super knowledgeable. So I have a lot lot of time for her. And then from a business side in Canada, there's a few people. I don't know if you know Megan Chaika with Stathletes. Um, Megan sure. is just an absolute delight yeah. and so smart and so. I remember lovely. when she she was acknowledged at the five to watch and then just seeing her career the trajectory, off. Yeah. yeah of her business is Profile. just you know, so smart um talk about I data look, you mentioned data right and analytics <laughs> and how she's brought that and that is just something you're not used to seeing like one of my daughters taylor is 23 uh, we often have spirited discussions about why is it always a female host throwing to a male analyst and in this case, we're throwing to Megan for the analysis and the breakdown. And she does such a great job of giving that that insight. 
Agreed. Which is why I like Kia, which is why another woman I would say is Megan McPeak, who does, um, you know, you you asked about highlights. I'd be remiss if I didn't say that the first ever all-female broadcast of an NBA game, we did it in Canada. We did it in Toronto. It was a Raptor game. We did it. My team did it. Um, and I remain super proud of that. And Megan McPeak was part of that broadcast. Um, you know, she's she's phenomenal. On the business side, Leah McNabb, NBA mm, Canada, you know, bringing the WNBA game here. Like you talk about, that's going to be such a catalyst. I'm hoping for a WNBA franchise to come again. To one of those head scratcher no brainers, right? They are going to sell out that venue. They are going to sell out Scotiabank Arena. You watch. No it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be the place to be. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I, yeah. I could go on and on, but yeah. Oh, that's a great list. I'm, I'm going to tag these when I post it um, because, uh, yeah, it's important to get these. I mean, a lot of people know these names, but there's a few in here that I hadn't heard about and I'll certainly read up. Um, no, that's wonderful. Thank you for doing that. Um, you know, I, I before we end with professional development advice um you know is there anything else that you wanted to hit on that we haven't covered i mean there's so many different <laughs> things there's so many balls up in the air i know how busy you are um but yeah i mean i i'd love to end with professional device uh, uh, development advice but i'll i'll give you the floor for anything else um well thank you for that gavin Again, if I if I had one message, it would be to invest in women. I, I don't think you're going to go wrong. Um, you know, the the we're starting, you know, when people say, well, you know, it's not the same thing. And, and it's like, well, of course, it's not the same thing. It's not apples and oranges. And by the way, investing in women doesn't mean not investing in men. That's not what it means. It means this is something different and it's a different offering. And by the way, everybody's looking for how to get to the new sport fan because the reality is they're not watching the way they used to, the way we grew up watching. They're not. It's a very, very different audience. And I would like people to look at women's sport as a solution to this, not a problem. And to see that, you know, the investment they make today and what it's going to yield down the road is not just a benefit to their wallets, but is actually got greater societal benefits, uh, which I think everybody's looking for, right? Like, let's, yeah. let's invest our money in meaningful things too. And let's assess those as having value as well. So we call it, you know, it's not just your return on investment, but your return on objectives. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been trying to convince the world that I coined that phrase, return on objectives. Nobody's <laughs> buying it, um, but <laughs> bought into that many, 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 many years ago about just land on what you can control. You can't always control the end result, but you can control how you get there, right? So lay out some measurable, actionable objectives and hold yourself, you're, you're, you're the, the property and the partner accountable for meeting those. And if you do it, you put yourself in the best position to win you, at the end. You do. And I think we have to break this cycle too, um, you know, and we'll, we'll, you know, we're happy and we will work with our partners on this, um, certainly with Project 8, where I have the ability to do that. But we have to break this cycle of like, well, people don't watch women's sports. Well, you have to have it available for them to watch it. If it's not on, they, they don't see it. They can't watch it. We're in this vicious cycle 
Um, we can't, we're not going to invest in that because it doesn't get enough eyeballs. It doesn't get, you know, you know, the wheel we're on, right? Um, so I, we look at companies in the US like Ally, which has come out and made this mm-hmm. massive investment. Um, I think we're going to see that now. I think we're going to see companies partner with us and with media platforms to do that full 360 investment. Um, and that is, that's how we're going to break the cycle. Yeah, and and just a last thought for on that topic from my end is is we are in this period of purpose driven partnerships, and you know it's it I think the pandemic accelerated that movement. It ha- it started before where brands were starting to figure out that doing good is good for business, but you know we went through uh, a really challenging few years where. Um, a lot of suffering was, was a lot of people suffered and brands stepped up to fill that void, whether it was in mental health, whether it's in food rescue. But it's led to a broader move towards doing, creating, developing partnerships with purpose. And that's why I think it's such a wonderful time to get behind this movement to empower women sports and women in sports and women in business and um, so I'm, I'm very, very optimistic about the work you're doing and, you know, where it's going to lead to. So that, that's awesome. Um, yeah, let's wrap with, you know, a lot of people look to you for, uh, you know, as a kind of the, the type of career you've had is one that they would aspire to. What have been the, what is, what are some of the keys to, you know, kind of having a successful career? What are you, th- what are the things you've leaned on? Oh boy. Well, <clears throat> you know, I used to say I, I had, was the uh, benefactor of good luck and good timing. And somebody recently told me I, I shouldn't say that a, cause it's disingenuous um, mm-hmm. because I work damn hard to get oh, false modesty. <laughs> Natalie, geez, come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, of course it took another woman to tell me that, but uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's not a shortcut. There's the hard work part, but uh, listen, uh, it, it takes a village for sure. I had, I had mentors, I had support. I was willing to put in the the time and the effort and the energy. But ultimately, I'd say my biggest lesson, it's interesting you talked about COVID. Leading during COVID, and I'm sure you've spoken to a few leaders who uh, might say to you something similar, which is, you know, how much it impacted our leadership styles. I think for me as a young woman growing up in a very male dominated <laughs> industry, and frankly, not I mean, I didn't have a female boss until I got to Special Olympics. I'd never worked for a woman. Um, So I think I felt a bit that I had to be tougher and more like the men uh, as opposed to authentically myself. And so you become something that you think is what you're supposed to be. And what I realized in the before COVID, but certainly as I matured uh, and got older and and funny enough, it was, yeah, yeah. and funny enough, it was a female leader who said to me, you know, um, we were talking about somebody and there's a lot of volunteers, obviously, Special Olympics and not for profit. And she said, you know, Natalie, you can't, well, for two things, she said, you can't fire volunteers. <laughs> um, but she also said, um, you know, have you ever written a thank you note to anybody? And I was like, a thank you note, like people are doing their jobs. And I don't say that glibly, honestly, Gavin, like it would never have occurred to me, not because I'm not a polite, I write thank you, I would write mm-hmm. thank you notes for, you know, dinner parties and stuff, but not at work because it was work. Who writes a mm-hmm. thing, you know? 
And so she slowly kind of shifted me to this, like, oh my God, I like, who am I? So it took me a bit of time. And then certainly it all really coalesced when I got back to Bell Media and I realized that I I had, I I am a very empathetic person. I'm a very collaborative person. I think that you know about me because we work together and I've always been a very collaborative leader. That's definitely my style. But when I realized that it was okay to be empathetic, it was okay. I, I mean, listen, uh, we people, there were tears, there were everything, right, during COVID. Um, and I think it humanized me to my staff at the time. I was very worried that I had done something and crossed a line. And oh. the feedback I got was not at all what I expected. And so... Um, yeah, I guess I would say empathy was definitely my, would be my number one thing. Love it. Such a, such an important word, right? And, and can be so all encompassing, but you, you've, you've given it a nice tight focus there in application. So, uh, so that's very cool. Um, listen, let's, let's park it there. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's been great to catch up. It has Um, been. I'm excited for you and for what lies ahead with Project 8 and the other things you're involved in. So thanks for sharing some of that and uh, wishing you the best of luck. Thank you so much, Gavin.